welcome back to another episode, our second one yet, of Word. Word. This is an episode about words, with words, by and for words. You know, I have had some pushback on that tagline. Really? Yeah, from uh, one of our most important fans. Um, that's right, my mother. Mm, that mm-hmm. is, she's pretty important. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she was saying that she was like, I thought that it was going to be more about like actual words and like phrases, parts of speech. And I said, no, no, no. I mean, it's it. it we're talking about words, you know, talking about stories that are made up of. That's right. Words. Words. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't I don't think it's misleading. I don't think so. I mean, the people, or the person did speak, so we might need to listen to the people. But We might. We might be revisiting this tagline, but for now, we can confidently say that this is a podcast by... With, with hmm? words. With words. About words. About words. By and for words. Just like she said. Yes. into our time honor segment segment called Mm -hmm. you make me sick Sick. i'm going to start us off talking about collateral damage Hmm. how do we feel about that one i mean i can you describe the trope more so the way that i'm thinking about it is like a good example is like you're doing something for the greater good but within that maybe it comes with like the death of your partner or like a death of your friend or, oh. you know, kind of like the whole superhero thing of, like, gotcha. you're saving the city, but you um, completely destroy it in the process. Um, and you try to help. But honestly, what good did you really do? <laughs> I mean, the, the whole town, my oh. car is destroyed. So I just like, bought it, just drove it off the so lot. It's like in the Avengers where, you know, no one ever thinks about, like, the infrastructure damage. Yeah. Like, that's millions, dare I say billions, worth of infrastructure yeah. damage. Damage yeah. to people's personal property, cars, etc. Do they have, like, Was a... anyone killed in that? Do they have a fund for that? I doubt Do it. Do they have insurance that covers the death of millions? Superhero? Yeah, insurance? superhero insurance. I mean, they should, at they... least in the society. Hey, uh, they should. You just ruined my car, killed my grandma, <laughs> and shot my dog. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna need some kind of compensation. Why did they shoot your dog? The, they were aiming for the alien, and my dog oh, happened Hawkeye to miss. just happened to miss. Hawkeye just happened to miss, and uh, he shot and killed my dog. Man. Yeah. So that's an example of, like, physical collateral damage. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I get it from kind of a literary perspective of, like, oh, you know, you want there to be consequences. You want, you know, there to be, in the plot at least, some sort of proof or evidence that like this was a struggle that this occurred and like you know obviously happy endings are kind of hard to come by yeah or perfect happy endings are kind of hard to come by even in the real world Mm -hmm. or especially in the real world um so i get it but also like we discussed last episode i am very much an escapist reader Mm -hmm. so they do make me quite sad (laughs) yeah i i I could see that um an, an example that i i have is a book called grave mercy by Robin's Robin Lefevers. I have never read this. <laughs> I have. And great. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and it's about this 17-year-old named Ismay okay. who escapes from the brutality of an arranged marriage. Okay. She finds a covent convent, one of the two. Convent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
pronunciation. Um, a coven. Is a coven? No, it's a convent. Oh. <laughs> um, St. <laughs> Morton, where the sisters still serve, quote-unquote, the gods of old. Okay. And they serve the god of death. Um, yeah. And he... That's kind of neat. Yeah, I know. It's like a little twist. It's like, oh my god, some nuns? Are no, they actually applicants? Because, um, like... I mean, yeah, if you're living in medieval France, then sure. You know, if there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, can you, can find, you can find a way to get to medieval <laughs> France. Uh, time travel. Definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she chooses to stay there and she will become an assassin and a, and a handmaiden to death. Okay. Death himself. And so she must... Yes? Does she, like, ever meet death? In these books? Or um, in this book? I think it's more of, like, a, an idol sort of, like, praying to death. Oh. Um, I mean, like, you say handmaiden. I'm like, oh, is she, like, you know... Is there a hand to maiden? <laughs> more like a will to 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 act out, to act upon okay. as an okay. assassin. Um, How does she know death's will? Sorry, I'm, like, getting to the theoretical listen, of this. <laughs> ask Robin, okay? Miss Lefevers, okay. where you at? Miss Lefevers, we have some questions. We have some questions about the lore of this book. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. Thank you. Get back to me at wordwordofficial at gmail.com. Thanks. Thanks. Um, so, her most important assignment takes her straight into the high court of Brittany. Brittany. In France. Okay. Where she finds herself trying to exact death's vengeance upon a target but the catch is this target mr duval is he hot has stolen her heart oh he's hot he's hot he's like (laughs) he's like hot squidward he is hot he's stolen her heart and she doesn't know what to do and so i know it's a decent you know i think it's a pretty good example of like collateral damage it's like you know what was the damage killing people she was an assassin oh well yeah <laughs> i mean she ended up not killing him gotcha even though he was her target mm-hmm. but like she has made this pact this oath to death but then she fell in love with a super hot man mm-hmm. who she's supposed to kill and she ended up not killing and so like trying to like oh i see work through you know the kind of no one's gonna win in that situation no. at least not completely i mean death i mean death always wins death always wins i mean <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> Death does always win. They mean to get all philosophical on you, but death does death, always win. Death doth always win. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I quite like that because it's kind of complex, you know, and mm-hmm. like it—that's really the conflict, I guess, the central conflict within the plot. I guess what comes up of, for me when I think of collateral damage and you know, specifically fiction and media in general is I think of like fridging and I think of like the barrier gates trope. Okay. Like, those both have come on. me. So, if you don't know, um, fridging refers to how, especially in, like, superhero genre, so the phrase actually comes uh, from a Green Lantern comic, hmm. um, where Hal Jordan, I believe, I think that was a Green Lantern at this time. I don't I'm know, it changes. Sure it changes. Um, but, yeah, so his girlfriend or wife or whomever, he comes home and, like, apparently some villain put her head, killed her and put her head in the fridge. So, like, that's where the term came from, fridging. It was just, like, so unnecessary for the plot. But that kind of idea of women's deaths being kind of the impetus for male protagonists to act, you know, or vengeance-seeking, that kind like of thing. Like in Deadpool. Exactly, that too. 
so it just and like Deadpool's somewhat self-aware of the fact that it's bridging, but also still is doing it. So it's like, eh. Yeah. Um, I still like the movie. Though, I mean, the so first, like <laughs> the first movie was was not. Yeah. The second movie that was where it came in. That's where it came in. That's yeah. where Vanessa, of course, within the first yeah three minutes of the movie, had to be. Oh my god, I'm so excited. We're pre- I'm pregnant. Like oh my yeah. god, a baby, and then she's dead. And it's like, exactly. what is the? Just let him be happy. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm, I'm asking too much. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's what comes up for me. And for those of you who don't know as well, barrier gays refers to the common media trope of um, out queer characters being killed, just especially after they have started to get some semblance of a happy ending. Yeah. So the 300, which is a TV show that I actually haven't seen, but I've heard a lot about because of this trope. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the 100. Is, is it 300? I think you're right. It's a 100. I think it, it was a it was a CW show, right? Yeah, it's called the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. I think it's um, like 300, like Sparta. Like yes, that's what's making that up. up. Okay, the 100 yes. though, it kind of became uh, infamous for because of that reason, at least like in some of my circle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there are countless other pieces of media that like do the same thing, and it's just like it gets tired. Mm-hmm. So I feel like. To wrap up my point here, yeah, in relationship, in relationship to collateral damage, I feel like who is the collateral is important, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. when kind of these patterns form of who we view as disposable to the plot and to the character, that's when it kind of gets a little bit more troubling, I guess, for me. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because it was like um, an example that I'm also thinking of is like in The Hobbit Mm. and like the last book. Um, or the last... I'm thinking of the movies, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure there's only one Hobbit. <laughs> Actually, just kidding. You you missed the other two. Oh, apparently. Um, and the last movie is what I'm thinking of. Okay. Of when, like, Thorin dies. Um, for, like, no... Isn't that his name? I'm sure. I thought you said you read a, read the Hobbit. I did, but it's been a minute. Okay. Well... I, I didn't come prepared to talk about the Hobbit. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Throwing this um, on me. So, like, he's, like, obsessed with the gold that's in the mountain because okay. he's like the rightful king of it oh and like, wait this is coming back to me now yeah. yeah and he gets so blinded by like the obsession of like just the gold that's in the mountain mm-hmm. and um he gets bilbo to go in to try to steal um the stone mm-hmm. can't remember the name of the stone but when doing so <laughs> smog smog mm-hmm. however you say his name the dragon benedict cumberbatch benedict <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, that's his name, mm-hmm. the actor. He becomes, like, he gets awoken and he goes out and is burning all the town. Oh. That beautiful song by Ed Sheeran, I See Fire. Oh. Yes. Okay. Shout out to Ed Sheeran. <laughs> um, he's burning the town, he's killing all these people. And it's like, that's collateral damage. Not that I think Thorne really cared about the town, but like, right. because of his greed of wanting to you know, take his place as the king mm-hmm. in the mountain, as the dwarf king, dwarf king and all that kind of stuff, that causes the dragon to awake and kill all these people, like, burn this town down. Right. So it's, like, that's kind of another example of, like, collateral damage where, you know, because of the, like, the consequences of your action, he ended up dying at the mm-hmm. end. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Thorin ends up dying and, like, doesn't get to take his place. Yeah. Um, because of, like, 
the actions that he chose. Yeah, and, and his own kind of like fatal flaw of yeah. greed and like this kind of self importance and self righteousness yeah. within this action, not caring about others and mm-hmm. who may suffer for those actions. He didn't care. Did not care. And but look yeah, where I got him. I mean, I do kind of like that. I guess when the book frames the cloud damage as you know, actually pays it some sort of mind, you know, doesn't just kind of gloss over it of mm-hmm. like, oh my god, yeah, all the people died. But like, look at our like little main trio. Wow. Like they're, they're doing, doing so, so great. Well. <laughs> yeah. Who actually cares these people died? It's like, no, like this actually has repercussions that like, yeah, that do harm and damage to the main characters. Like right. if you have collateral damage, it doesn't change the main character um, or like develop them. Exactly. In a way, it's like, well, what's, what's that's the not collateral damage. Yeah. That's just that's just damage <laughs> that's not collateral well i mean i guess it is collateral in that like but it doesn't affect them so it's, exactly. like, it's not like it's like it, yeah. it's collateral damage for the for just like damage the hell sake. of it yeah exactly like not that it so what's anything. the point of doing this in the first place yeah. why is you the storyteller the author whomever decide to burn this town to the ground if it doesn't mean anything yeah yeah no, i can agree with that yeah so what would you rate it i'd say a seven out of ten yeah, I'm fond of it. I think, like like we talked about, if it does it for the betterment of character development, mm-hmm. um, I'm all about it. If it's just damage for damage's sake, like like with the Avengers, you know? Yeah. There's collateral damage, but it... Well, actually, I, I take that back, because then the towns, townspeople, like there's a small city, or, um, New York City. In like, like Age of Ultron, right? I was going to say, they get turned on because of how much damage they're bringing to the city like yeah the p- public perception of the superheroes right and kind like, of wasn't there that whole villain in like one of those like 40 movies mm-hmm. um where uh and like when wanda and pietro like scarlet witch and like the really fast guy um they get together quicksilver i think it's like his actual yeah, yeah, yeah. name and like comic books but he has like no screen time in these movies i felt so bad like that's yeah. a collateral but, damage yes he exactly. came in just to die don't know that's fridging well, he wouldn't be fridging. He's a man. <laughs> but I'm saying it's like it's like that. Yeah, exactly. Like but, they, they brought him in as like Wanda's sister just for him to die. I was gonna say that like when they destroyed that town later on, and like I think like one of the next movies, like one of the people of that town became the villain in one of the next movies because he was so distraught by his family yeah, dying because yeah. of these actions that the Avengers did not care about. And that was when like that whole idea of them kind of being monitored by the government came in and like, like civil war civil war yes yeah and all yep. that mm-hmm. yeah yep so i think it can be done well so i'm gonna say seven out of ten okay i'm probably gonna go a little bit lower just six out of ten just okay. because it isn't quite my jam i think it can't be done well you know i won't say that it can't be but yeah. i think that i don't know i think that sometimes storytellers think that they need to add some horrible tragedy or horrible your body count to their um work just for it to kind of have some sort of edge which i mean i get why they think that but i also disagree yeah. um so i don't know okay yeah understandable thank you you're welcome well, good deal all right cloud damage check that one off the check list check it off we've we're done we're past her yes um so my turn now the next one we're going to do, it actually was not on our initial list of tropes that we developed, mm. but prior to this episode, I was like, I need to find a trope. Um, I need to find some books that I've read. <laughs> I need to come prepared. <laughs> um, so I was looking at my bookshelf and uh, The Martians dealt to me, and I quite like that book. Um, so I decided, you know what? 
Next trope, survival stories. Okay. Now, it's kind of arguable, arguable whether this is like a trope or more of a genre, which I get, but because it does appear in fan fiction as like an <laughs> alternate universe, I'm going to include it as a trope. Okay. <laughs> and you can fight me on that. But one of the things I noticed when I was looking at survival stories more generally was, you know, I'm just going to name a few. So, you know, The Martian, uh, Swiss Family Robinson is like a classic. I have not read it, but like I know it was popular in like the 50s. Hatchet. <laughs> yeah, I have that on the minute list next. I never, Hatchet. I never had to read that, but oh. I know... I know that was a big one, like, in elementary and, like, Yeah, I had to read that in third grade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hatchet. Um, Life of Pi is another one mm. that's more recent. Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Yeah, exactly. Um, I then... also didn't read that one. Oh. <laughs> okay. The Most Dangerous Game? I don't know if that's a survival story, because it really isn't told from the perspective of the protagonist. Well, he had to survive. Yeah, I guess. Okay, I don't that's know. Fine. We can call it that. Okay. No, All right. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. Okay. Because when I was looking up what really is a survival story, I feel like a lot of times it's kind of characterized as like, you know, the protagonist versus nature, nature. the elements, of the wilderness. Man. Yeah, exactly. It's man versus the wild. Man versus wild. Bear gills. Bear gills? Yeah. Bear grills. That too. Um, the fish one <laughs> and the horse one. <laughs> bear gills, bear grills. Past tense too. Bear grilled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bear gills is now bear grilled. Uh -huh. Serve him up on your plate. Yep. Yum yum with some tartar sauce. He's a fish. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. Survival stories. But one thing I noticed is that a lot of survival stories don't have female protagonists. They're typically all men. I mean, and we're not getting deeper, specifically white men. Um, Life of Pi kind of defies that. But um, one other example that I can think of of like a female protagonist in a survival story is really the first book of the Hunger Games trilogy by mm -hmm. Susan Collins, um, where you know Katniss, for the majority of the book, is trying to survive in the Hunger Games. You know. People are trying to kill her. She has to find food, water, shelter, whatever else the game makers are throwing at her, etc. Um, but, like, why is that, you know? Like, why are all these stories centered around men? And know? even with the one female one that you mentioned, it's not her versus nature. Exactly. It's her versus other people trying to kill her yeah. in a nature-type setting. Exactly. And that was one thing I noticed. That, like, even... I can think of a few other books that, like, really are more survival-type stories. Centering women. But a lot of times, they fall into more of a category of, like, you know, the protagonist versus society or corrupt society. And nature is kind of a part of that. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, so, like... I was trying to figure out, like, why that is, you know? Yeah. And... One thing I found, so I was reading an article, um, it's called The Enduring Appeal of Survival Stories by Lori Jameson. Um, I found it on hipbooks.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, young and hip. Uh-huh. And um, one thing that she says is, well, 
The opening line I find very interesting, which is just, what is it about survival stories that is so appealing to readers of all ages, especially boys? Okay. And I push back against that a little bit, because I feel like it isn't just boys who are interested in survival stories. Yeah, true. But like, a lot of ones saying women, I feel like, are more kind of true crime based as well. So like, I can think of like, a ton of stories about like, women, you know, like, trying to survive, like, terrible men who have mm-hmm. put them in these positions who are in this position of power and they're like haha you shall suffer yeah like, exactly no yeah president snow president snow yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly um did you want to say anything about this too i feel like well, i'm rambling no you're fine i had thought about a book that shout out to our other biggest fan my mother oh, wow <laughs> had mm-hmm. read called ashes by isla bick mm-hmm. and a EMP, electric magnetic pulse, mm-hmm. um, flashed across the sky, killing every electronic or destroying every electronic device, wiping out every computerized system, and killing billions. And so Alex um, had to say goodbye to her dead parents. Apparently, I don't know. Oh. I didn't read this book, but <laughs> she was with her grandfather, who had a pacemaker, uh-huh. and the EMP oh. killed him. Because you know he they fried the pacemaker. It fried the pacemaker, and so he died. And so it was about it was a female protagonist who it was a you know kind of survival story. And um, I quite like that too because it's like the impetus, like the fridging, like of her grandfather. Yeah, I thought it wasn't because he's a man. I mean, yeah, but like it kind of flips it. You know what I'm saying? That's what I said. I know. But I agree with you now. You didn't agree with me when I said well, it. Well, I agree with you now. Okay, well, you've that's changed fine. my mind. You're welcome. New perspective. New perspectives. Always and so, welcome. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a post-apocalyptic type story mm-hmm. where you're having to survive and live when in the midst of this devastation. Because, yep. like, not only did, like, your, are your parents dead? Surprise. I don't know why. And, like, <laughs> um, your grandfather just died. But, right. like, you have to survive without technology. Yeah. of any kind mm-hmm. and try to like rebuild so that's the kind of survival story where i don't again i can come back next up next episode and give you guys an update um because i haven't read it yet <laughs> but um i know that there's like a survival element to it so maybe that's a way, one where it's not necessarily just nature because it's probably her fighting against other human beings in this post-apocalyptic right. type world but it's still a survival type story yeah, and that's actually one of the things I wanted to get into is like there are a bunch of subgenres within this kind of yeah. genre slash trope slash whatever you want to call it. Of you know you have kind of these crop societies, but then you also have like post apocalyptic apocalyptic mm-hmm. um, kind of works, and then you also have like obviously the zombie works. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, Walking Dead. I'm a big fan of zombies. World War yes. Z. Mm-hmm. Could get into it. Uh, what is it? Pride and Prejudice and Vampires. <laughs> I thought it was... Or, and ones? zombies. And zombies. Yeah, that was it. There's Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln and, vampire. and vampire. Yeah. <laughs> vampire hunter. Or yeah, exactly. Or um, Interesting, yeah. Yeah. And then you also have, like, more kind of natural disaster type works as well. Like, a big one I can think of is, like, Titanic, you know, which is a movie. But... Um, that is, is, that a, is that a natural disaster? I would consider it so. Okay. Because here's the thing. I feel like natural disasters are about, like, one kind of isolated incident. You know, of like the natural disaster itself, or the disaster itself. I guess it isn't a natural disaster so much as like a man-made disaster. Um, Titanic, where the 
conflict is centered around them versus the sinking ship, but also the water flowing in, you know, the freezing water, the drowning, all that entails. Yeah. Because um, it really isn't the boat that's sinking that's the issue. It's the boat that's sinking into the water. That's yeah. the issue. And the boat can sink, but if it's sinking in, like, frigid, you know, icy Arctic waters. And you can't swim. Or you're, like, way down in the middle of the ocean. And you're freezing to death. Yeah, that too. Um, yeah, it's quite a problem. I'll never let go, Jack. I'll never let go. Ah! And then she lets go. And then she lets go, and then he's he's frozen to death. Yeah. She just, like, pries his corpse off because <laughs> he froze. <laughs> and it's like, okay, bye. Yeah. But, like, with that, a book that, which is not female protagonist, but a mm-hmm. book that I read in middle school was called The Killing Sea hmm. by Richard Lewis. And it was about this family that was visiting Indonesia and it was during the 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake and following tsunami. Oh, was that made into a movie? It might have been. I, I remember a movie similar to that, but continue, sorry. No, you're fine. Um and it was about like a um a native kid named Ruslan Mm-hmm. And a American girl named Sarah who got separated from her family and her brother was getting sick. And so they're trying to find her father. Right. And um, so that one was, I remember like explicitly talking about this book and figuring out which parts were man versus man, which parts were man versus nature, mm. which parts were man versus society and right. all that kind of stuff. And so that's a good example of like... um. It flipped back and forth between Ruslan right, and between Sarah. Conflicts. So yeah, and so it wasn't just like this, like it wasn't just like male protagonist. It was also female protagonist um, trying to um, survive. And so that's another good example of like a survival type story. Highly recommend. It's not that long, and it was okay. surprisingly really good. Surprisingly, <laughs> like I was like, it, it was for like it was mandatory reading, right? For, like, okay, so you have the right to be surprised. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I have to read this for school. But then I was like, actually, this was really good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really liked it. Yeah. And so I actually brought two books with me because when I was trying to decide, you know, what to do for this trope, um, I was like looking at bookshelf and I found The Martian, obviously. But then I have two other books that are both very, very good, and I recommend. Um, one of which is called The Silence of the Girls. It's by Pat Barker. Mm. And it basically, I'll just read you the back of the book synopsis. When the Greek queen Helen is kidnapped by Trojans, the Greeks sail in pursuit, besieging the tr- city of Troy. Trapped in the Greek soldier's camp, it's another captured queen, Briseis, condemned to be bed slave to Achilles, the man who butchered her family. Mm. She becomes a pawn in a menacing game between bored and frustrated warriors. In the centuries after this most famous war, history will write her off. A footnote in a bloody story scripted by vengeful men. But Brzez has a very different tale to tell. Tale to tell. Um, hmm. It's quite good. I highly recommend it. Um, but it is, I would say, a survival story. Because ultimately, Brzez and Helen as well um, are trying to survive in this camp. In this situation that has been created by men. But it's not really about wilderness as much as it is just them trying to live and not, not die, die. <laughs> <laughs> just live and not be killed yeah but i would really recommend anyone who wants to read it read for themselves see what you have to think um hit it's us a up. penguin too it is yes um but yeah it's really really good and very powerful very moving 
And then the other one I wanted to talk about briefly is it's more centered on wilderness. It's called The Mercies. Hmm. Um, brief synopsis from back of the book. Of course. Um, and also the uh, author is Karen Millwood Hargrave. Um, I haven't read many of her other books, but this one's very, very good as well. Um, Finnmark, Norway, 1617. 23-year-old Margaret Munstadter stands on the craggy coast, watching the skies break into a sudden and reckless storm. All 40 of the village's men are at sea, including Mirren's father and brother, and all 40 are drowned in the otherworldly disaster. Oh. For the women left behind, survival means defying the strict rules of the island. They fish, hunt, and bush a reindeer, which they never did while the men were alive. But the foundation of this new feminine frontier begins to crack with the arrival of Absalom Cornet, a man sent from Scotland to root out alleged witchcraft. Because, oh. of course. Of course. <laughs> Cornet brings with him the threat of danger and a very pretty young Norwegian wife named Ursa. As Marin and Ursa are drawn to one another in ways that surprise them both, the island begins to close in on them, with Absalom's iron rule threatening its very existence. So this is a really good example of being, you know, uh man or woman uh versus wilderness yeah. as well as you know versus society and also there's some like woman versus woman in there as well or woman versus man um very very good it is queer highly recommend highly recommend um don't want to give away anything but yeah it's just it also kind of shows i guess why a lot of survival stories are featuring men is because Historically and even presently, um, the idea of women as kind of being a protected person, you know, who sits at home while like the men go and like do the and, the labor and knit some clothes, yes, and, exactly, and make some biscuits from scratch. And this book really kind of challenges that because these women in the society who have been kind of taught this way are now forced to shift their worldview and like kind of shift their culture to adapt to this change yeah and, to be the one that goes out to hunt and, exactly and you know build log cabins or whatever to survive because there are no men mm -hmm. um for the most part to exactly be able to help with that or to yep. to do that themselves mm -hmm. Hmm. so yeah i would highly recommend this one as well if anyone is interested but yeah so i guess to wrap this up zero to ten zero out of ten I would say I'm going to go like an eight. I like it a lot. I'd I think say it's seven and a half. Yeah. Like it's like for people to be put to the test. Exactly. And in, in such like hard. With such high stakes. With such high stakes is, is a really good way to fully flesh out characters um, to really see what they're all about because mm -hmm. they're forced into this. Like they have, they have no choice. They have exactly. to survive or they die. Yeah. So. All right, cool. All right, cool. All right, well, welcome back to part two um, of this podcast episode. We invite you into the Judgment, Judgment Zone. Zone. This segment will be us mm -hmm. reading off prompts or stories that we have started or written um, and probably not finished writing either no, 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 because no. like that really is the hardest part that is the know, hardest part like finish everything it's pretty easy to write down an idea mm -hmm. but to flesh it out oh disgusting to so, flesh it out and then to like actually finish it yeah <laughs> uh -uh. Mm -mm. so um i will be starting with my short story thing called mm -hmm. colorblind 
Take it away, sis. And I'm just gonna read it. Yeah. We will stop periodically. We're gonna kind of be like workshopping it, I guess. Yeah, we're gonna be mm-hmm. workshopping it. Kind of like red light, green light, but more personal. But more personal. More judgmental. More judgmental. Yes, we were coming at it hard and fast, and we're not afraid. Are you afraid? I'm a little afraid. I'm a little afraid. It's okay. Okay. Don't be gentle. Thank you. So it's called Colorblind. When his eyes opened, he noticed his gray bed sheets and gray comforter. He got up and carried himself into his gray bathroom and hopped in the shower. Was he, it a gray shower of gray water? You know what? Actually, <laughs> <laughs> come on. He cleansed his body before turning the water off and heading to his closet. He took out his, you guessed it, gray clothes yep. for the day and put them on. No black and white? Nope, just gray. Okay. Cool, cool. I don't know. All As right. he tied his other shoe, um, he walked out the door, grabbing his... I'm going to go gray. Gray laptop case yep. and uh-huh. headed down the street. As cars sped by him, he continued walking down the sidewalk until he came upon the familiar dark gray ah, building. Dark gray. We're having some variants where here. Where he ordered his coffee each morning. He strutted up to the familiar face of the cash register who bore the gray apron. <laughs> I'd like the usual, please. The man didn't need to request his drink because they expected him already. All he had to do was pay because his drink was pre-made. Thank you. I mean, thank you. He mumbled as he shuffled to his usual seat in the coffee shop. When he opened his bag and pulled his laptop out onto the table. Oh, no. He opened his bag and pulled his laptop out onto the table. He entered his password and began working. He's a junior at the university he attends. Which one, I won't say, but, you know. Oh. At, at, at a university. At a university. And university. <laughs> <laughs> Not A. A. Um, he has two essays to write up before midnight tomorrow, and the best place for working is the coffee shop. It's quiet, with plenty of coffee around to keep him alert at all times. Alert at all times? Yes. <laughs> expecting an attack? <laughs> he has to be prepared. He has to be ready. <laughs> Since he is such a regular, they will willingly provide him with free coffee. As long as he pays for the first one. Okay. That's pretty nice. He's got a good system going here. Yeah. After a numerous amount of hours, Mm -hmm. it had reached 7 o'clock. I guess p.m. And the college (laughs) student decides that it was about time to leave. He finished his third coffee and ate the last bite of his muffin before walking out the door. My man has been sitting... All day at the coffee shop, <laughs> drinking coffee and eating muffins. That is not nutritional, okay? Let me tell you. But honestly, I would love that. I mean, Except, here's the thing. I would like to actually not be in a coffee shop while I do it, though. Because I don't really want to be, like, around people. You just want somebody to be there to provide you coffee here's and the thing. muffins. I'll provide for myself. So then... I just want to sit and eat coffee and muffins. So that doesn't sound nice about being in a coffee shop. You just want to be drinking coffee and eating muffins. I like the ambiance, but... So you just play, like, the coffee house exactly. on XM Radio yes. in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's some acoustic versions of Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Are they really? Probably. Probably. I don't know. Okay. Um, all the employees know him by name, so they announced their goodbyes as he traveled home. He walked silently as the wind whipped past him whenever cars zoomed by him. As he journeyed home, he glances ahead of him and notices a figure lying on the ground. Uh-oh. What confuses him more than the mound on the ground? Mound on the ground? <laughs> <laughs> is that he can see a light coming from the street lamp that looks dot 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 warm? Question mark? Dot dot warm? 
He doesn't know how to describe the light, but as he steps ever so close to the figure, he sees more variations of the warm light. The college student moves the figure over to realize that the mound is a girl. Uh, most likely in her late teens. Uh, <laughs> 18 or 19. Yeah. He sees her shirt and notices a cooler shade of light, and her pants have similar shades. Mm. He felt a headache forming in his head. In his head. <laughs> a headache forming in his head. Not anywhere else. Not a headache in his stomach. Not a headache in his leg. A headache in his head. A headache in his head. Good. Okay. I'm so glad you specified. <laughs> As he checked the woman for any sign of injury, he wants to try to fix her before calling the police because he's never seen anything like her before. A man fixing me. (laughs) I don't need fixing. I'm fine. I'm fine the way I am. The student's house is only a few minutes from where the girl is, so he picks her up and carries her to the house. What a gentleman. What a gent. A gent. Wait, so hold up, hold up. He (laughs) takes this woman. He finds found in the street, just like. No, on the sidewalk. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Under a street lamp. Yeah, I got that part. warm light. I, I got that part. I'm curious. He didn't take her to, like, a doctor. You yeah, know, yeah, he didn't, like, give her, like, a little tap, call an ambulance. No, I mean. He wants to fix her first. Oh, my God. Before he calls the police. Honestly, I would. The police nowadays? Um, see, I'm not saying the police. I'm saying the ambulance. But that's a lot of money. True. I doubt either one could afford. He's a college student. True. And she's. I mean, he could have called an Uber and taken her to the emergency room. That's true. And um, so, as he unlocks the door, he strides into the living room and places her on the couch. Okay. He runs upstairs, grabs his familiar. I'm going to go gray. Gray towel (laughs) from this morning. And he hurries into the bathroom and searches for her for his first aid kit before running back to the girl. He's in a lot of running in his house. Yeah. It's a lot of frantic movement. Yeah. He picks her back up and sits her in the love seat before laying the towel on the couch. And then he picks her back up and then lays her in her original position. And he notices the lump in her pocket and wonders if he should check her pocket first or attend to her needs. (laughs) She's passed out. He's like, should I go through her pockets? Or am I I? fixed to bleeding? Because I assume she's bleeding. Is that... But we don't know yet. Then why he laid the towel down? Just in case. (laughs) In case of what? In case she's bleeding. We don't know yet. Okay? I mean, look, it's all shades of grey to him anyway. It's like the blood's gonna stain. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it will stain. He won't he just see can't it. can't see he it. He won't see it. Okay, so he leaves the pocket for later. We'll just ignore the pocket. And opens up the first aid kit. He pulls out the thermometer and slips the plastic cover on top of it. Because we don't want germs here. He opens her mouth. Okay. Which is weird. Weird. <laughs> and, and inserts the thermometer. I don't know if I trust this man. I don't either. <laughs> This is our protagonist, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I figured. He patiently waits until the plastic machine beeps before looking at it. The machine reads 100.4. She is That's not, not that bad. That's a fever. It's a fever, but she's not, like, about to, you know, die. I mean, true. Because that's, like, 103, I think, is when you need to, like, go. To the hospital. Yeah. Well, that's good that he didn't call the ambulance. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. That would have been a waste of time. Um... 
Oh, this is not going in my favor. He grunts to himself. Okay. He then decides to check for anything serious. <laughs> if the student learned anything from the TV he watched, uh-huh. it is that if you find someone unconscious on the street, check for stab slash bullet wounds. <laughs> That's what he's learned. That's what he's learned. I thought it'd be take him home and make sure you get a towel and put him down on the towel on your couch. Is that not the first thing you learned? The first thing you did. I mean, hey, I don't know. I didn't write this. What? I mean, I did. I was like, <laughs> it's been a long time. Okay. I'm not critiquing you. I'm critiquing your former self. Okay, thank you. He looks at her face and observes her and notices that she looks like she's in pain. Oh! It appears to be sweating. So he leaves her for a second and races to the kitchen. Oh, he's not running anymore. He's racing. He grabs a new dishcloth, how kind, and soaks it in ice cold water. Okay. He then grabs a few ice cubes and wraps them in the washcloth before running back to the unknown girl. He placed the cool cloth on her forehead. The one on her head. Yeah. (laughs) Not the one on her toes, right? And before preparing for the worst, he sheds her of her jacket and lays it on the coffee table. The young adult slowly begins to lift up her shirt and sighs with content as he doesn't see any noticeable gaping wounds or gashes. I mean, that's always a good thing to not see. Yeah, it's always nice to not see gaping wounds. Yeah, Um, as long as you're, like, not there and you're just not seeing them. He agreed with himself that Mm -hmm. taking her pants off would be excessive. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna have to agree with him on that one, too. (laughs) Does that redeem him a little bit? I don't know. I mean, he drew a boundary, I guess, like, in one of the right places, but there are... Why didn't he check for, like, bullet wounds, stab marks when she was lying on the street? I mean, sidewalk, sorry. The yeah, sidewalk. on the sidewalk, not on the street. Okay? So, And um, science, P.O. You know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know why he... Look, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Cool. So he looked at her legs, uh-huh. covered in denim, doesn't see any blood or holes. Great. So, <laughs> thumbs up. Next, the young man pulls up her sleeves to check for any wounds. Okay. On the girl's forearm, there is a tattoo that is written in black letters. May it be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. Shout out J.R.R. Tolkien, because oh. that is a quote from Lord of the Rings. You lifted it? <laughs> <laughs> I stole it. I was like, oh, that's mine. I'm going to be using that like, now. That's mine now. But yeah. honestly, I mean, that makes sense. I feel like people do get tattoos of that or, like, of yeah. little ring stuff. Or, like, all oh, that glitters is not gold. Mm-hmm. That whole thing. Or, like, some of it, like, wandering, I feel like. Not all those who wander are lost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then not all the not all that glitters is gold, I think, is. Yeah. And then, like, the second. she may be tiny, but she is fierce. That's not from Lord of the Rings. Where is that from? I feel like I've seen that a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Then, after this quote, or this tattoo, mm-hmm. the man's minute headache. He used to be a, a young adult. Now he's a man. Now he's a man. Okay. okay. I don't make the rules. I feel like you... I don't <laughs> make the rules. The man's minute headache uh-huh. in his head... In his head. ...suddenly produces an intense migraine that pounds behind his eyes like a thousand elephants. Okay. He tosses the girl's hand down. <laughs> he said, forget you. <laughs> and he's gra- he, before grabbing at his head in pain, mm-hmm. he stood up and a rush of nausea and dizziness came o- overcame him. He began to travel to the kitchen for a glass of water. 
Travel. I don't know. <laughs> he sluggishly grabbed the glass. Also, can I just say, Sydney's mom is watching this and she is cracking up. So I hope you guys are entertained by this story as much as she is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh. He sluggishly grabbed the glass and filled it with water. He began taking steps toward the pain medicine and the first aid kit before the glass fell from his hand as another colossal wave pounded in his head. The glittering gray gray glass (laughs) shattered from the impact when it hit the ground. Uh Shining pieces scattered all around the floor and the water poured from the shards. He sunk it to the floor, his back up against the cupboard, head buried in his hands. The migraine only worsened as he cried out in pain. The university student blacked out, unconscious like the mysterious girl on the couch. Okay. Okay. We're not done. Oh. It's still going. There was a vehicle. A vehicle? It was a blue SUV which contained a family. The college student could see both inside like he was the child in the car and also like he was standing in the intersection they were about to pass. Uh Uh-huh. As the family stopped at the red light, a car came high-tailing towards the SUV. (laughs) The mother and father in the car weren't the least bit worried, (laughs) seeing as they were having a discussion about what? I don't know. Are you good? Do I need to take a pause? (laughs) (laughs) You didn't like the (laughs) high-tailing? Was that too much? Oh, no, it's good. It's okay. Where do I need to pick up from? Oh, girl, I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. Um, the car came high-tailing yep, towards SUV. Yep, uh-huh. The mother and father in the car weren't the least bit worried, seeing as they were having a discussion. I was going to see the car coming. And the toddler was too busy with his superhero toys to notice either. Why the toddler would notice, I don't know, but I had to make you know that he didn't. Okay. I, I appreciate it. You're welcome. The young man tried to run towards the car, yell at the family, get their attention, but nothing worked. He attempted running. Again. Again. <laughs> but his feet could only drag across the asphalt. It was almost as if the scene that played out before him was in slow motion. He looked through the child's eyes and saw his toys as he played and the faces of his parents that he adored so much. Mm-hmm. He saw the man speeding toward the family, his face distorted and blurry, not truly knowing what he looked like. As the young student, I just need to give this man a name. I was about to say, does this man have a name? <laughs> Eventually. Because we're using like he, him, young himself, man, young man, man student, young university adult. student. <laughs> like, um, as the young student reached the car, uh-huh. which young student sounds like seven yeah like the young student he's a junior <laughs> in college he's an at, adult at an university we don't know which one he's, he's a grown man he's a grown man yeah um his arms slowly pounded against the window but no one could hear him and no one could see him he was invisible and all he could do was watch the car crash the man who runs into the suv is going about 50 miles per hour huh? into the back of the car <laughs> okay. or so the university's Junior thought. No, <laughs> when he was university junior, add that to the list. <laughs> when, or so the university junior thought when he saw into the man's car. Mm-hmm. The inevitable comes, 
and the car crunches into the back of the family's vehicle. Okay. I like the I like the verb there, crunch. Thank That's you. Good. Wow, first positive I've got in this whole time. I feel honored. I've been distracted. I mean, we did call this the judgment zone. Yeah. It's okay. Um, The little boy in the back screeches as the glass explodes and rains on the child. The toddler, which is also the little boy. There's only one kid in the car. Yeah, I I figured this out. I was making sure. Yeah. The toddler's head shoots forward and his body is caught by his harness before his head is whipped back. The loud noise from tire screeches and the air bla- airbag deploying deafens the child for a moment. The parents are bruised and battered but are still alive and sort of well. <laughs> oh, they, they don't die. I was expecting them to die. No, 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 I was expecting no, no, them to no, be no, like no. a full on like look, return to like look at all these orphans. No, nope, nope, not look at all these orphans. Okay. The parents are still alive. Okay. The father manages to get out of the car and call 911. He then helps his wife out, who holds her whoa. arm. <laughs> whoa, 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 So this man. <laughs> the father. The father. He is in this car crash with his wife and his two-year-old child. Yes. And his immediate first thought is not like, are they okay? He's like, all right, gotta get out of here. Call I'm on one. Oh, shit, you good? Yes. So um, he yeah. then helps his wife out who holds her arm as she thinks it's fractured or broken. Sydney, don't those mean the same thing? Don't they? No, they can be different things. Fractured or broken? Fractured or broken. They can be different. How? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The couple then unhooks their child, still screaming from the pain in his head, which feels like a migraine. The police soon arrive on the scene, and the college students fades into the background, not truly understanding what happened, other than a car crash that unfolded before his eyes. <laughs> Sir, this is your past! He doesn't know that. <sighs> Sir, you should be able to figure this out. No. Okay. The driver was believed to be drunk and died on impact. He drove a sports car, which was a very puny thing compared to the family car. You know, SUV. Sports car. Yeah. SUV can take a lot of damage. An SUV? Mm-hmm. I would know, because I had one. Oh, yeah! <laughs> And her first instinct when she was in this car accident was to call me. I texted a you. Co-worker, oh, I'm sorry, to text me, a co-worker she had known at this point for like two months. Uh-huh. And be like, hey, I got in a car accident. And then I called my mom. <laughs> yeah, okay. See, that's why I would call Yeah, okay. Okay, sorry. The next scene was similar to the last. He's still in the drain. Yeah. The young man could both see through the child's eyes and mm-hmm. see the child. Right. Looking at the child, he realizes the toddler looks like him when he was about four years old. Mm. So, not a toddler anymore. Yeah, he's a full-on <laughs> child. <laughs> but looking through the child's eyes, he sees like he would every other day in shades of white, black, and gray. Okay, can I just say real fast? I feel like if he is seeing him like white, black, and gray... Some of the descriptions should be like white and black as well instead of just gray. I know. Yeah. Okay. Everything's just gray. Sorry. I just need to mention that. I'm it's so all sorry. Gray. No, yeah. You're fine. You're fine. Um, the scene he intrudes on is one with the same family as before, but in a doctor's office. Okay. Your son went through a lot of trauma. No shit. And the whiplash didn't help much either. Yeah, that was part of the trauma. There was a condition called the shaken baby syndrome. 
what? <laughs> and what can happen is that the occipital lobe in the back of the head can be damaged and cause colorblindness. Okay. The occipital lobe is in charge of sight, and when the car ran into the back of your car, your son's head whipped forward and then slammed back into the seat, causing the brain to slam up against the back of the skull. Mm. This will not fade into a permanent blindness, but he will no longer be able to see color other than shades of black, white, and gray. I'm very surprised by this, because this is the rarest form of colorblindness. Ah! As the doctor finished speaking, the parents were almost in tears. They were grateful that nothing life ha- life-threatening happened to their ch- baby boy, but they I mean, were also heartbroken that, that their- was kind of life-threatening. I mean, like <laughs> he didn't die, but like it was it was a life-threatening event. Yeah. Um. But anyway, sorry. Continue. But they were also heartbroken that their child wouldn't be able to live a normal life. Yeah. I guess. Yes. The scene then again faded into black, but mm-hmm. this time the young adult was shoved back into reality. Oh, not shoved. 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 So put you back in your ah, head. Go back. Be gone. As his, eyes, <laughs> as his eyes opened, he saw the familiar kitchen and the glass and water still littering the floor. He remembered the unconscious girl and pulled himself off the floor. Okay. He stumbled into the living room. Pieces of glass crushed beneath his feet. I hope he's wearing shoes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> The lady was still unconscious. And she universe- like he collapsed onto the floor with a broken glass. I mean, it could he was like taking steps toward the first aid kit. So whenever he dropped the glass, he could have dropped it towards the living room. And then he like stumbled back and fell against cupboards. Okay. So maybe he okay. wasn't. Maybe. In the broken glass. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Didn't flush this out. It's good, girl. Um, I mean, you're good. Thank you. The lady was still unconscious, and the university junior suspected that My he was out for long. <laughs> he carefully positioned her so she was on her stomach. That doesn't seem safe. And began to lifting her shirt again. Oh. He's going back to make sure she's okay. <laughs> for the second time that day, he was he sighs in relief to find no bruising or cuts. He checks her legs quickly guess the back of her legs before flipping her back over (laughs) he he grabs the washcloth from before and walks back to the kitchen to grab more ice cubes okay when when he walks back into the living room the woman is sitting up looking frantic and confused Uh uh-huh hey how are you she says or he says? He says. Oh. You were passed out on the sidewalk, and I saw so you I when I was walking you... home. I brought you to my house and checked for anything wrong. The name's Colton, by the way. Oh, so we found like his name. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. The girl just stared at him in awe. And uh-huh. it was kind of creeping Colton out. Oh, how rude of me. My name is Hazel Odetta. Of course it is. <laughs> and I was on my way to meet you when I mysteriously fainted. Colton nods his head before sprouting out questions, and that's where it ends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Quite the cliffhanger? Uh, okay. Chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets. All right. Um, Woo! So thought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, Sydney, I love you, but what the fuck? <laughs> 
This was written in 2016. Oh, okay. So I was 16 when I wrote this. Okay, all right. (laughs) So give me a little slack. I'm giving you inch. Here's the thing. I'm not going to hold this against you as a person, but I am. Mm -hmm. I feel like the the prompt is this is good. Like the premise, you know, of like, okay, you know. I'm questioning what he's doing and why. <laughs> We're supposed to be rooting for him? Because, like, here's the thing. If I, as a woman, fainted on the side of the road. Yes, not the road. Their side of the road. I'm specifying it so much for you. <laughs> if I fainted and I wake up and I'm in some strange man's home mm-hmm. on his couch with a towel under me, uh, which I'm going to say, throw some alarm bells my way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I checked for injuries. And I'm going to be like, you checked for injuries. Don't remove unconscious women's clothing. I don't care if it's a jacket. Just don't, don't do it. it. Don't do it. Call it's the police. Weird. Call an ambulance. Call, Call an, an Uber, Uber and go to urgent care. <laughs> Well, it is 7 o'clock at night. Our computer's not open. Does he have, like, a friend who's in pre-med? Like, I don't know. There are other He's options. at college. He has to know pre-med Campus people. health? Campus health. That would be a good... Are they open? Yeah. Are they 24 hours? At UNC, there was, like, a division that was open 24 hours. Yeah, oh, nice. Like, you could call and be like, Hey, I have a person passed on the side of the road. They're like, oh, okay, take them to UNC. Like, yeah. Oh, but okay. also, UNC has a lot of hospitals anyway. That's true. Chapel Hill. Yeah. True. Factual. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're also, I, I will say, just like a brief note. And obviously, you know, I'm sure that you're like a much better writer now than like when this was written. Okay. You were 16. Mm-hmm. You were a child. A child. A baby. A little baby Sydney. A little baby Sydney. Yes. Um... I feel like you're you're really writing out every single action this man takes. <laughs> you have to know that he grabs his gray clothes and his gray shoes and, and his, his gray, gray towel to go into the gray shower with the gray, gray water, water to then put on the gray clothes and grab his gray laptop case to walk out the gray door to go down to the dark gray building <laughs> that's so familiar <laughs> to get his gray coffee from the gray aproned barista. Yeah. You need his gray muffin. Uh-huh. It's like the episode like, in, of, of Fairly Odd Parents when everything is all gray and they're all gray blobs oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's hard for them to find um, Timmy because everybody looks the same. Yeah. It's like that. Okay. Um, but also just like even after that, like kind of in that scene where, you know, he's brought her home and like he's like collecting materials, like we have a lot of like, he ran, he ran, he ran. He traveled. He traveled. <laughs> he raced. <laughs> That's like, I feel like there's a way of like writing that without having quite so many action verbs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not, um, I'm not too uh, tied to this, uh, okay. to this story. Um, which is, I assume, why you put it in the judgment zone. That, and I had like a whole like plot oh, of wow. where he was actually like part light elf. I was, and they were supposed to, <laughs> and they were supposed to take him. His parents were supposed to take him to their like kingdom because the healers there could heal him, mm-hmm. and that's why he could see the light 
when Hazel Odetta oh my God. Um, was under that street light. Also, can we talk about that name real fast? <laughs> <laughs> like, Colton? also, Colton? <laughs> you know, if I'm honest, I got it from Teen Wolf because yeah. Um, yeah. Jackson's character, his real life name is, or the actor's name is Colton. Colton feels like a boy who would play lacrosse to me. I mean, he did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, um, I, mm, I feel like we've had the really the the general kind of notes to mm-hmm, give. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's much more we can we can add. Yeah. So, thank Ooh. you for joining me for Sydney's Judgment Zone. Colorblind oh, story. Only, oh, okay. I was say it's only your judgment zone. No, no, no. It's just my judgment zone session. I want that like meme of the cat, you know, like the Soviet flag behind them. <laughs> Our judgment zone. <laughs> Our judgment zone. Yes. So thank you for critiquing um, colorblind. Yeah, of course. Happy to do so. <laughs> Okay, so I guess my turn to enter the judgment zone now. Be warned. Um, judgment shall be befall you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ominous. I like it. Okay. Should I give any sort of like intro to this or just start it? I don't think I did. Okay. Gotcha. <clears throat> A young alchemist rooted in the notion that science is the basis of life start to experience strange starts to experience strange happenings when she wakes up in the mornings she experiences a tugging sensation always in the same direction though growing stronger by the day tugging where in her heart mm. always in the same direction growing, like just generally like it feels like something's tugging her like, okay not like by the hand but no, like, no, no just like in general like something's like trying to push her almost okay yeah she initially dismissed them but one day, while writing notes in her alchemy book on a hillside by the edge of town, a fierce gust of wind blows around her, blows around her, seeing her papers flying. Ugh, I hate when that happens. I know, right? Oh my god. So relatable. Uh, not my alchemy notebook. Not my alchemy notebook with all my notes about plants. And potions. And like metals. And metals. Yeah. Um, she initially, or uh, when she stands to collect them, the wind remains strong, blowing her hair in her face and rippling the skirt of her dress. However, when she looks around her, she notices that the surrounding trees and long grass remains pre- peacefully stagnant, almost as the wind is only affecting her. Oh. Then the tugging sensation begins again, the first time she's experienced it outside of her early morning half-awake state. After collecting her pages, she notes that though the strange wind has now died down, the tugging remains and doesn't seem to be letting up. Her curious mind prompts her to investigate. So the next day, she wakes before the sun has even risen and begins to follow the strange intuitive feeling of direction and heads east. Not before the sun rises. Before the sun rises, she says, I'm out here, I'm she leaving is early. early bird. She yes. wants that worm. <laughs> Along her quest for answers, she notices it's set. Along her quest for answers, she notices that nature itself seems to be forging a path for her to follow. But where will it lead? So, that was just kind of like my early synopsis I wrote. So, context, I guess. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This was a project I did for one of my English classes when I was in college, where we had to create a story based on genre. 
um, and just kind of like you know a general idea for it and some characters. So mm-hmm. this was kind of my general idea, and I have some characters for you now. She didn't have a name in your synopsis. I may have done this in a different document because I did have a name for her, okay. but I can't find it now. That's fine. Weird. Um, I just know that you were like, is this guy ever going to have a name? And then I was like, well, your prince doesn't have a name. Here's the thing. She did at one point, but I don't know where the, like, that version of this went. Excuses, excuses. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the characters I have are um, <clears throat> the protagonist, obviously. He's a young woman. She's working as alchemy apprentice. She's independent, headstrong, and curious. She sees the world through very scientific systems and rejects the more spiritual and religious beliefs of the villages she's lived in all her life with her mother. Um, Science. Oh, shit. Okay. That's okay. Um, Just not like a math science person. Oh, me neither. Yeah. Okay, but okay. So she doesn't have a name right now, but what name would you give her? So the name, I, I know I lifted it from, I like did some research on like Latin names for like gold. Cause I know that like she was into alchemy and like, you know, one of the things with alchemy is like turning, you know, materials like steel or iron or, you know, copper into precious metals like gold mm-hmm. um, or silver. So I like figured out the name for that. I want to say it started with an A. I did not apparently write it down in here. <laughs> so like, that's unfortunate. Um, I'm very disappointed with my past self, and also me, like, an hour ago for not, like, reading this through to make sure I had that, but... It's okay. My only, like, it's... I'm gonna expose myself here. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about alchemy, my, like, first inclination, or, like, my first, like, um, kind of piece of media Mm -hmm. that I can relate that to is... Full Metal Alchemist? No. Oh. Is a... What? Is a Minecraft Let's Play. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, Captain Sparkles. Oh my god, Captain Sparkles. Who did a series on Skyden. It was a Minecraft map. And there was alchemy in it where you had to take like um there's a thomonomicon, which was I'm, like I'm sorry, a what? A thomonomicon. A thomonomicon? Which was like the book that like showed you like all the different things that that um if you threw it in the cauldron, would, like, transform into other things. Okay. So, like, you know, if you take, like, iron, like, you could take these two things and you could throw it in the cauldron and it would make iron. Okay. Or, like, whatever it is. And so, that's where my brain <laughs> went to when you were talking about alchemy was the Captain mm. Sparkles Let's Play. So, I did not write a lot of stuff down, but I do remember, because I think there must have been a different version of this that I had done at one point, and I cannot find it now, so we're just going to, like, rely off of memory. Okay. But I think my plot for this was basically, like, this woman is a protagonist, but she has a foil in this book, because it was, like, an idea for a novel, Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, she is very much, like, rationally minded, you know, sees the world in, like, scientific structures, and, like, in this earlier draft, I said, like, her village had like you know very um religious kind of values and that was like widespread but i think the final one i actually decided that like she lives in this like very industrialized area where like you know the rest of her society also kind of reflects it and supports that so her feeling these strange like kind of tugging sensations is like outside the norm for her culture of like kind of that intuition and like intuitive feeling of like i don't know what's going on but i'm going to follow it like frozen 2 yes like frozen 2 which i have not seen but yeah <gasps> oh my god I know. it's so much better than the first one yeah. personally 
Well, I guess it kind of is like Frozen 2 as well, because her foil in this, and she finds her, I think I wrote down the first part of this. Also, I should say, um, I wrote this after a dream, so, like, I needed an idea for the story, and, like, I was, like, I took a little nap, and I woke up, I was, like, got it. <laughs> I got it. It came to me in a dream. Um, so, under where I wrote what she's being tucked towards, with, like, a little colon. Yes. Um, she sees nothing at first, looking down from the rocky crevice she rests upon. The protagonist, like, or the... Mm. The rock itself begins to shift, turning the protagonist slightly until she catches. Mm-hmm. The grammar is weird. Until she catches <laughs> sight of a figure staying in a field, um, a young woman around her age, oh. and like flowers. Is she, like, she is she like late teens, eighteen? 19? Oh my god, <laughs> she's like around the same age as the protagonist. But like when she looks at the this other woman, she notices like flowers begin to like kind of warm around her mm. yeah um like in the middle of this field i don't know why i didn't write that down i know i had to do another draft or something of this because like it existed at one point a field that had no flowers and then flowers started to bloom like around where the woman was standing yeah gotcha so i think what i kind of ended up deciding was like on her kind of quest i guess for like these kind of strange things are happening like she's having this tugging feeling you know she like meets like a little elf named leaf um <laughs> he's a forest spirit his name is leaf he looks like a leaf so, he's... <laughs> so is he a yeah. forest spirit or is he an elf he's not an elf he has like you just called him an elf i think i was distracted by the fact that you said that your guy was a white elf <laughs> That was so long ago. I know, but I was on that topic. So, like, he's like He's the, a forest spirit. His name is Leaf. So, he's like the... He has leaf cor- hair. Cor- 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 something from, um, like, Legend of Zelda. They have, like, the Haven't little... Seen it. The little leaf things. I've shown you before. Oh, yeah, you have shown me. Yeah, they're like little... They're like little wooden dudes, and they have little leaf faces. Kind um, of. He's not wooden. Or, well, and his I'm, face is in leaf. But, yeah, like, it's similar. Okay, you're trying to relate. Also, what I was going to say is I like the symbolism of, like, I'm assuming the girl in the field is her foil. Yeah. And I like the symbolism of, like, her standing on, like, this harsh, rocky terrain mm-hmm. and the foil character in, like, this fa- in this field with, like, femininity and, like, yeah. flowers and and, like, stuff. very kind of, like, flowy dress, yeah. I'm imagining. Yeah. It's yeah. nice. Like, her hair flowing. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking about just now, too. I think, like, as a foil, it worked better. Because my idea was for this woman to, like, be brought up in, like, a more kind of magic-centered environment, you know? Where, like, you know, herbs, kind of traditional healing methods, like, that is, like, very prominent, very used. And, like, they kind of reject a lot of, like, the quote-unquote, like, modern instruments of life. You know, like, this woman. Like, cyborgs. Exactly. Cyborgs? I don't know. <laughs> Girl, like, robots. <laughs> I'm thinking like steampunk aesthetic, not like sci-fi aesthetic. Yeah, I don't know why I said cyborgs. I was trying to think of like industrial type stuff, but I can't think of other than like those weird glasses and like those bowler hat looking things um, (laughs) that have like metal on it. I can't think of like steampunk. I mean like kind of, you know, pneumatic tubes, I guess would be like an example. Yeah, tubes. Tubes. (laughs) Um, A lot of tubes. And a lot of steam. True. But what I was going to say was um, where this woman, you know, who's been brought up in this, like, very modern society has kind of, like, these nature-related kind of things happening to her. I thought it'd be interesting, maybe, 
and this is just a current thought that I had just now, mm-hmm. was if this woman who, the other woman who um, had been brought up in like a more flower-based, you know, herb-based, nature-based society had some sort of like metal happenings going on. She just or, had like, like gears falling out of her hands, just like steampunk stuff, tubes. <laughs> steam! She could like produce steam. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. I just, like, have an idea. Okay. Have you ever seen it? I was going to say, like, in Treasure Planet. I need to see that. You need to see it. In Treasure Planet, um, I can't remember what his name is, but he's the little robot dude. That, um, he looks very, like, he looks very steampunky to me. Mm. Um, and so, I was thinking, like, maybe he, like, like a, like a something, a robot sort of, kind of like that, comes to life and finds him like something like copper um looking mm-hmm. his name's martin oh no his name's ben oh. he's voiced by martin short like this guy see you're not looking like something oh. like robotic kind of steampunky like comes to life and like finds her and then like mm-hmm. in the opposite like something like earthy um kind of finds the f- yeah. main protagonist I was thinking that, like, Leaf could kind of be, like, a protagonist for both of them, though. Okay. I don't know. I mean, it's... Or not protagonist, but, like, kind of a sidekick, I a guess. A side character. Yeah. I don't know. It's a thought. I've been kicking around. Yeah, kick it around. I kick probably will, like, maybe rework it some, because... Do it. It's a pretty cool, uh... I kind of like the idea. I like the idea. It's um... all about, like, you know, balance and, like, you know, nature and innovation and, like, how those two can coexist they can um and like you know the they don't right everyone, now they don't right now they could. but they could <laughs> we gotta work to get rid of these billionaires and maybe we can make something uh, happen yeah make it a statement sydney Come i on. will <laughs> down with the billionaires honestly eat them honestly eat the rich eat the i have rich. a little a sticker that i got from Redbubble, and it's a pink heart and it has a frog in the middle of it that mm-hmm. says eat the rich um, I don't oh. know what the frog has to do with anything, but it was really cute, and I liked it. That's fair. I, I like the sound of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you'd like it. You know, I'm always a big fan of guillotines. I love a good barbecue, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Put that pig on there, slow roast exactly. it. Exactly! You know? Just. Apple in the mouth. <laughs> apple, <laughs> apple in the mouth. Crab. Lobster, like in Shrek 2. My whole brain is just animated movie references yeah i'm, I'm realizing that um, i'm also and also teen wolf it. and also teen wolf that was only one thing i know it was just the name that was it but it, it maybe not in this episode or this podcast but it is carried over in other aspects of your life it is carried over in, in many other aspects of my life well thanks for joining us for shay's yeah time in the judgment zone i appreciate it i don't feel as scathed as i feel like you were i feel like mine's more of the like lack of preparation well i wouldn't say lack of preparation i would say yours wasn't as fleshed out like yours was a idea mine was like a short story exactly that's true um and also you were yours when you were 16 i remember when i was like 20 so yeah it was um not my best work. You were sixteen. <laughs> I was sixteen, and and that shows. It yeah, it's apparent. It was it was it was in the height of my fanfic era, on Wattpad. So, um, it was definitely not not the best. I'm gonna say it. 
I feel like the writing on don't Wattpad say. is not as good as what's on the O3. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear it. Okay. We're not having that discussion. I'm still saying it anyway. The listeners, they will hear it. And they can decide. And they will rejoice. Um, but now I know. Mm-hmm. Next Judgment Zone. Yeah. I have to go in. Going hard. I, I'm not holding back. Push that. Um, you will feel the wrath. Oh. Of the Judgment Zone. Okay. So, stay tuned for next... Maybe next episode? Next installment. Maybe, yeah, the next installment, whenever that shall be. Yeah. Good uh, deal. Yeah. So, thank, thanks for the, the Judgment Zone. Yeah, of course. Thank you for listening to the second episode of Word? Word. You can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can check us out on Instagram at wordwordofficial to see when our next episode will air. But for now, we will see you next time.